All right, Ashley, we're back for an episode two. We made it through our first one and, you know, we're still doing it. So we're still surviving. So, so far, so good. Yeah, we're the same height this week. Really exciting enhancement there. Congratulations on growing up a little bit. Yeah, you know, that was funny when I went back and watched that. You know, it's uh, rookie mistakes, right? I think I was like down here on the screen and, you know, you were having a big hair day. And so... You know, I, I appreciate kind of the, the lower platform, but you know, hey, we're getting the saying, figure it out. We're going to get better each time. The bigger the hair, the closer to Jesus. So we are. <laughs> um, well, I saw something really fascinating about you on Facebook here over the last couple of weeks. And yeah, this could be, this could be a danger zone because you're going to have to explain yourself. But... <clears throat> I know you don't like to uh, toot your own horn, but um, apparently you were named the Melody of Hope Board Member of the Year. And when we talk about untold stories, I think there's a lot of people that have no idea why Melody of Hope is so amazing. Um, above and beyond having the Board Member of the Year, Ashley Miller is the most amazing person on their board, but um, what did you do other than just being you to earn this distinction? Oh my gosh, that is so, so nice of you. Completely caught off guard. Thank you for saying that. Um, for, first, I guess I should really, for people maybe that don't know who Melody of Hope is, um, Melody of Hope was established by a good friend of mine. My, I always say she's my sister from another mister, but Charlie Wendell. Um, and she felt really compelled that the music industry was kind of dark um, and that, you know, you could really that music is a universal language and everybody understands it and that we could use music to bring hope. So she had this brilliant idea um, that's kind of radiated throughout the city and North Texas in general, where we can pair an up and coming musician with an area nonprofit so that we give a new platform or even a bigger platform to that artist while also allowing the nonprofit to have music at an event, maybe it's a luncheon, a gala, a 5K, a golf tournament, we've kind of done it all at no cost to them. And so through the grants that Melody of Hope receives, we can pay the artist and then in turn, the nonprofit doesn't have to pay for the talent. So, you know, one of the things when I met Charlie early on is she said, you know, something you should know about me is that I love George Strait, but I also love Little Wayne. And I was like, this, you're my soul sister, right? She's good. We got half a Dana in there with the George Strait. But um, we just really hit it off from the beginning. And I knew that Melody of Hope was something that needed to be a big part of my life. And it was certainly even before I really dipped my toes in the nonprofit sector. Um, so it's interesting how that kind of came full circle. But um, just immediately jumped in and um, got busy with the board. And we've had substantial growth, not only for the organization, but on the board side. And Charlie just does an, an amazing job with gratitude. She loves to thank people in different ways and to recognize people in different ways. And at the end of every year, you know, she reaches out and um, asks the board to vote on different awards. And I, that board is stacked. I mean, you want to talk about some talented individuals and it really... Yes, but it, it, it was it was so humbling that they they named me board member of the year. And, you know, I think some people see it as a certificate. But for me, it meant that they could see past this crazy pandemic. And, you know, I've had children home full time for a big portion of the year. And there's just been a lot going on. I don't have to tell anybody that's listening or watching today how crazy it's been. But 
thank you for starting off the podcast. You made me feel good about myself. That was a huge, huge recognition and honor. So thank you for bringing me. Well, I told you I had a surprise for you and I wouldn't tell you what it was, but I knew you'd be ready for it. So congratulations. Well, well deserved. I mean, this year is starting off busy, right? I mean, goodness. I mean, we're just getting started this year and it's everyone kind of feels like they're shot out of the cannon from what's happening in the city, things that you're doing, you know, family, you know, um, our business is just looking like, you know, we're kind of back to the races, which feels pretty good. Networking's happening again. Yes, um, yes. So what are your, what are you thinking? What's in store for you 2022? I mean, to your point, I really like being back in person. I'm just a hugger. I need to be around people, my energy that kind of fills my soul bucket. You know, I see that uh, your family's been really busy with, did Zach just have a birthday? Zach just had a birthday. This one was a little sad because it's the first birthday we couldn't celebrate with him in person because we dropped him off back at Arkansas the weekend before. Uh, but we did a, a little uh, family trip. We stayed at Carlton Landing. For anyone who's heard of Carlton Landing, it's a cute little town in Oklahoma. It's about a little over halfway in between here and the drive back to Arkansas. So we got to celebrate with him as a family, you know, over the weekend. Um, and then, you know, Dana and I are such dorks that um, it was a school night and um, her and I stayed up till midnight so that we could text him a happy birthday message. And never in our wildest dreams would we think our college student was already asleep by midnight, but he had just had his first day of classes. And so he went to bed early. We we're actually proud of him, you know, and right. it was so bad that we almost woke him up so trying to send him, uh, you know, his parents' dorky uh, birthday message. But how much coffee did y'all consume staying up till midnight? Nothing good happens after 9 p.m. You know that, right? <laughs> Well, we're not quite the early risers that uh, you are, you know, getting up for your 4 a.m. workouts. Uh, so probably wasn't as hard for us as maybe it would have been for, for you. But then we went straight to bed for sure. What's it been like having him in Arkansas? I mean, did you spend a lot of time in Arkansas prior to his time going to school there? Um, no, never. We had never been there. And so it's just a cool town and a cool campus. Uh, I'm a little jealous, to be honest. I mean, he always wanted to go to UT. I sufficiently brainwashed him over the years. Um, but it turned out Arkansas just ended up being a great fit, a great business school, and just a cute little town. He's living his best life. He found his friends. He's pledging SIGAP. He's um, ready for the pledge ship to be over, I think, you know, which would be really, really, really soon. Um, got good grades the first semester. And, um, you know, it's obviously hard on the parents, but he's, he's good. He's definitely... Um, um, you know, a homebody, so to speak, and he loves to come back home. And we've actually gone up there a few times. So we went up there for Parents Weekend and um, went up there for the UT game when they crushed us and, you know, a few other times. And and then we're actually, believe it or not, so one of our bucket list items, you talk about country music, has been um, to see Garth Brooks. Yes. And of all things, Garth Brooks is playing um, right um, before um, Dana's birthday in Fayetteville on campus, University yes. of Arkansas. What? I know. And so we got tickets. And so we kind of get to check a couple boxes here in a couple months where we're going to go up there and see Garth Brooks and, you know, hopefully get to see Zach some that, that weekend. So it's going to be really cool. You know, we I've seen him live. Um, I actually saw him here for one of his very last concerts. And you want to talk about energy. I mean, you wanted somebody who could stay up till midnight to wish everybody happy birthday. Garth Brooks is a pro. In the show that I saw him, he had like built-in treadmills on the stage and he was just running repeatedly. And um, he's fantastic. But I'll tell you, 
because you're Texas and, you know, I'm LSU, I want to make sure you call me on Colin Baton Rouge. I mean, if there's ever a song, song to end all songs, Colin Baton Rouge. So I want to make sure I get a special shout out. Get you some video, sure. You have to, you have to. And I want, you You know all the lyrics. You love Baton Rouge. But, you know, we talk about Zach being in college. We're kind of at, we say, such different seasons of life. We're entering kind of Finley's last year of preschool. And then I'm going to be, you know, the mom drowning herself in tears and mimosas on kindergarten, uh, oh. the start of school. One of the things that she has coming up that um, we have just really been looking forward to probably Justin more than myself, but she gets to attend her first daddy-daughter dance this year. Oh, miss that, those so that, much. Does that bring back memories for you? It does. Oh, my gosh. I may, may tear up a little bit. Uh, what great memories. Um, so what was funny is, you, of course, you know Caitlin. Caitlin loves a stage, um, loves a microphone, loves the spotlight, you know, just has this huge personality. And so her first daddy-daughter dance, she actually went shy. I never thought that that would happen and was like too shy to go out on the dance floor. And it was just so out of character. I think it was just too much, you know, so many right. lights, so much stuff happening and maybe yeah. dad gave her a few too many cookies to start off. I probably totally blew it and you know, it was really my fault. And then after that first year, man, it was the Caitlin you would expect, you know, put me on stage, put me in the middle of the dance floor. And so lots, lots of good memories, you know, um, you know, even when they get older, you know, so she wasn't too cool, you know, as she started getting older, yeah. Um, so we need to do that date with dad. Well, Finley just thinks it's the coolest thing. Of course, we've got, we purchased her gown. She's got her shoes, a matching purse. She insisted that she have a purse and Justin has asked her formally to be his date. And, you know, we're just going to go big. I mean, I figure she will always be daddy's little girl, but you only get to do the first one one time. Yeah. So we're just going to make all the memories count. I cannot wait. Well, something tells me Justin probably has planned his outfit too. Of course, he's the best. Yeah, Justin guy. I'm kind of seeing bow tie, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. You know, if, if Justin has a way to bring his Jordans into any outfit, no matter how formal or casual it may be, he's going to find a way. So don't be surprised if you see some Jordans on that dance floor. Awesome. So, how are the New Year's resolutions going? Did you make any? You know, it's funny you say that. I actually spent the morning doing, um, we at NBCF, we do an annual goal writing session. And so that was the bulk of our day today. Um, and it's so good for the soul. I mean, there's something about planning your goals and your resolutions in your head, but there's something uh, just magical about being able to put the pen on paper. And I just feel like you have a new sense of accountability when you write them down. Um, and so it's funny because in addition to, you know, setting goals for the new year, a big portion of the session, and we got to give Kevin love. Kevin does an amazing job. Kevin Hill with this session is look, reflecting back. And, you know, what did you maybe not accomplish that you set out to accomplish? Um, and just making your goals realistic and, and not being afraid to make big goals, right. And to achieve those goals. But for the last, you'll appreciate this, but for the last four years, I put, running on purpose. I will run and I will run on purpose. And I've yet to do it. Uh, this I, I don't know that this will be my year. This was actually the first year that I did not write it down on my goals because I thought, well, if I've put it on paper four years in a row and it hasn't happened, maybe if I don't, you know, by some by some happening, it'll happen. But um, it, it was really good. I just love doing that. And then, you know, I personally like to hang them up and be able to see them. And um, it's almost like an affirmation just to be able to look at it and to hold myself accountable. And 
Um, it's, it's a powerful session. Do you guys do that? Do you set resolutions in your house or at work? You know, I'm a big believer in that too. We do that every single year as a team. Um, so we do it individually and then um, for everyone that works for me, their individual goals, but then we come together as a group and then, you know, also speak about, you know, team goals and, you know, I get our team to kind of buy into what we're doing as a company as a whole. So yes, huge believer. This was the first year. So I have a little form that I, you know, create for you know, each of our employees and it's not just their work goals, it's their personal goals too. I make them, you know, write those down and be accountable and family goals and then work. Um, but then Dana and I, we actually did it ourselves um, and, you know, kind of self inter you know, evaluate each other and you know so we can hold each other um accountable so that was kind of fun to go through that process but do you have one that you want to share where i and everybody watching and listening can hold you accountable yeah i mean so when you said running on purpose you mean physically running like yeah, i mean like i've seen you running around town i saw you running up a hill one time and i honked and scared you to death but like just getting out and running that's not that's not fun at all why do you do that? is that your is that your goal is that what you meant or do you mean just For the last four years of my oh. life now i am not writing it down i do not it's not fun to me i don't know how you enjoy running Ugh. well that is definitely one of them and so i used to be an avid runner i'm more of a yogi now just from you know tear up on the knees and those kinds of things um, you know, but like everyone, right, you know, kind of put on that, you know, a couple extra pounds during COVID and, you know, haven't gotten them off. And so, you know, again, a couple years in a row to get them off. But one of them was, um, you know, I used to be uh, pretty fast. Like I would win my age group in the 5Ks. Um, and right now I'd probably be lucky to break 30 minutes just with the shape that I'm in. And so that is actually one of mine um, is to get back to training. Uh, and, you know, maybe at the big star or another one is I want to run um, another 5K under 25 minutes. Um, yes. That wouldn't be a personal record. I think my personal record is right over 20 minutes. Um, that was when I was in my best shape and a little bit younger. Um, so working towards that, looking forward to the big star and the 5K season. So that one is um, that one's a big one for me. Yeah, that one's right around the corner, April 9th. It'll be here before we know it. I know a lot of people whose names I will not mention that have been training for that half marathon. Um, some of them have been very open about it. And then others have said, you know what, I'm just going to show up that day and surprise everybody, um, including myself. You know, I have a lot of people saying it's a goal of mine and um, I'm, I'm just really excited to get back to it. We're pretty lucky we get to do that here locally that we've got a half marathon like that, right? I mean, those guys, they do a great job. Now, if only they can control the weather. So hopefully, <laughs> you know, fingers crossed, you know, this is the year that the weather you know, gives them a favor. So they, they deserve like a perfect 82 degree blue sky day after what yeah. they've gone through the last couple of years. I totally agree. Well, I'll tell you one goal I will say just so that you and everybody else can hold me accountable um, is that I want this year to be more about more about experiences and less about things for my family. You know, we're kind of entering the age of the chore chart and rewards and incentives. And then, of course, just the regular birthday gifts and things like that. And I really uh, wanted to put the pen on paper today that uh, when it comes to Finn and Oak, I don't want the birthday gifts. I don't want the, the holiday gifts or honestly, even the incentives for feeding the dogs or making their beds, whatever it may be. I really want it to be a year of experiences. So. Um, again, just hand me your parenting guide. You've got amazing kiddos. I've seen them come up with grace. And so I just really want um, all the parenting advice, but hold me, hold me to it because we're going to have a lot of zoo trips and 
aquarium and parks. We're just going to make all the memories this year. Well, you know, since I am in a different season of life, as you like to say, oh. uh, I uh, <laughs> totally agree with that. So we learned that kind of later on. It, it is about the memories and the experiences. And you don't necessarily remember the soccer game, but you remember the trip to the zoo. So um, you're on the right track. But we've got an exciting guest today. I mean, I'm excited. Um, it's not every day that you get um, a CEO, a boss lady, a do-it-all, just incredible person um, to take time from their busy schedule to come on our little untold podcast. But, um, you know, Barbara Fasola, she's been a longtime friend of mine. She's chief executive officer for Carrington. She is a um, Frisco cheerleader. I mean, even maybe more than me. Um, for close, her and I would compete, you know, maybe I'm Mr. And she's Mrs. You know, as <laughs> the Frisco cheerleader. Um, but she's been in Carrington for 28 years. I mean, just, we're going to hear all about her story. She's just had an amazing journey, but you know, the thing I love about, um, Barbara is just, you know, she's always has a smile on her face is just seems always happy, just positive energy, just radiates out of her you can't hear her speak and not smile and be in a good mood so um, i know you've experienced that too so without further ado we're gonna introduce barbara and get get started so let's see if we can oh there she is <laughs> hey, you? great to see you both uh, so happy to have you um no, we don't like that one. I'm gonna let you pick, Barbara. What do you like that? We like that one better. Okay. Yeah. I you know, defer to the ladies, you know, as far Actually, as how I, need, I need my my sister helping me. <laughs> Good. I like. Uh, thank you for the turtleneck memo. You I know. Believe me, each decade I'm going up further. <laughs> yeah, me too. Cover it. Let's cover it up. But I will. How, this weather's insane. I mean, we went from what 75 this week to 30s, 40s today. I don't know what's going on. Sinus headache. I mean, I've got a little Sudafed in me, but that's okay. <laughs> um, I'm looking at the green light. Is that appropriate? Oh, yeah. You look great. You look perfect. Yes. You know, Barbara, we have had a chance. I know you and Jeff go way back. And I would say you and I really have had the opportunity to get to know one another and become family here in Frisco over the last couple of years. But I just think you have one of the most fantastic stories. For not only what brought you to Carrington, but really Frisco in general. Can we talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Uh, I am an, uh, shameless in my love for Frisco. <laughs> and I also credit uh, this great town for the growth of our, our company. Uh, just the energy feeds off itself. And we moved in the year 2000. We were one of the first companies to receive economic development incentives. And um, that's part another part of my life, another hat I wear. But um, I started with the company in 1988. So um, I heard you two talking about season of life. So <laughs> I'm going to embrace that fully. And uh, <laughs> as my age will become painfully apparent later on, we talk about other things. Um, so I, I definitely um, have am proud that I work for a company that's got a lot of female leadership. Of course, um, our CFO is a woman, our CIO and myself, but we started at the bottom and, and worked our way up. Good old fashioned story. I started in entry level sales uh, back in the day when you 
walked into, say, a car dealership, left your brochures and said, this is for your break room. It's a dental plan for your company. Please think about it. And um, lo and behold, I would get callbacks. We were in Irving at the time. And I think I, I went through every single car dealership and then I'd hit the mall. And uh, it was just a different type of selling, but it was just starting. And we were a, a Texas company and we really were local. And we've had just local school districts, local cities, counties. Fast forward, uh, Grand Prairie ISD, which is still an account I have today. One of my favorites was the first big, large group to come on payroll deduct with our dental plan. And then we were just off and running. We got the state of Texas, every, almost every single city, school district, county. Um, the, just it, it was really, really a great time for us. And it was more of a HMO style of dental. Mm -hmm. And then we started to grow uh, wherever Southwest Airlines flew. That was our plan because it was affordable. And so we started the regional area and saw the, where their routes were and started with those border states and we grew regionally. And then it was uh, through the 90s, we were a regional company until we hit 1996. By that time I had worked into uh, VP of sales and had we had grown the number of company uh, employees. When I started, I was the first salesperson they hired. And by that time, uh, from 88 to 96, we had uh, a team and we then decided to sell that Texas-based HMO company, a dental capitated plan, as they call it, a different model to now MetLife actually owns it. And we we're growing regionally. We made the decision to grow nationally. Mm. And that was with our PPO dental. So we have a network of dentists that sit inside an insured plan and people are familiar with the term PPO. Mm. And in 1998, uh, when the sale completed, we changed our name from American Dental to Carrington. Mm -hmm. So it's been the same nu nucleus of various uh, a lot of our company, our, our CFO was a, an accounting, our accounting clerk when we started. Now, Melissa is CFO. Stuart, our chief marketing officer, was in, in, in customer service. He had gotten his degree and uh, started it in the call center. So we really have a, a great background that we can say we did those jobs. And so as I, I feel like that helps us manage those jobs still to this day, even though it's obviously changed a lot. And in 1998, when we changed to Carrington and sold the American Dental business, we were national for the non-insured dental and vision. At that time, we we're doing vision, hearing, and some other RX pharmacy. And we started off as Carrington. And in the year 2000, we decided to move to Frisco. And that was the year I became CEO of the company. And at that time, I'd been with them you know, since 1988. So this same group grew up together and uh, helped grow the company to a national stand and we we moved to frisco and i remember thinking i was downtown living in turtle creek and i remember thinking where are we going <laughs> <laughs> i lived i've lived downtown and in those parts uh highland park area my whole life and um our chairman had raised his children here and put them through frisco schools and just said trust me this is going to be a good move not only from a real estate standpoint but from company growth he was right he was one hundred percent right. We now have three campuses and we've grown to be, uh, we have over 30 million members now. We have almost 500 employees and it just, it was really a great move. The uh, Frisco area 
gave us the energy we needed to expand, have the, have the real estate and attract great employees. Mm. So we started to realize, and I, I realized quickly that Frisco gave us the opportunity to control our destiny. And not only that, but help us do it. We had help from the city. We had help from um, employer partners. It just became a more uh, business-centric town. Support from the chamber. Uh, I could go on and on. So, and yes, part-time, I probably do work at Visit Frisco. So, <laughs> I love it. But it, it's just, that's the story of the company and how we moved here. We were in various uh we were at the Oryx building in the Galleria. We were in Irving. We were in Addison. So having had that experience, I had a good template to know this is going to be a great place to just rocket launch our company, which we did. And um, now we're one of the leading companies in non-insured non-insured employee benefits. Uh, we also do uh, dial care, which is a telemedicine. Everyone from COVID now knows that word. It's a household word. We got into that earlier, which was uh, fortuitous. Uh, 2016, we started the platform, the virtual call a doctor, which now has, uh, we now have added call a licensed therapist, counselor. We have the mental wellness aspect and we also have pet because the whole world bought pets during COVID. So um, we're going to launch the virtual pet. So that that part of our company, Frisco, is, gave us the room. We added our third building to house those folks. And we now have um, another company that's a TPA called Carrington Benefit Solutions. So I just in, my feeling is that you are not take if you're not taking advantage of the city and the partners in the city and all the things that your um, geography lends itself to, then you're in the wrong spot because everybody needs help. It's a full, full effort. And I think that the companies that have moved to Frisco the PGA, the Cowboys see that the same way I see it. Why not leverage that? And if you're in a town that won't help you or is unhelpful or doesn't foster that, it, I think, will be a, a hindrance. So we just can't say enough about the partnerships here and the energy. And I participate fully in the community, try to set a good example to our employees that give back. And that could be a number of things. It could be charities. It could be simply helping at the food bank. It could be participation, giving your time. Um, as Mayor Cheney knows, these jobs are a time commitment and mm -hmm. you need to take them seriously. And um, we're all busy. And last night I was at a long economic development meeting. <laughs> and, uh, well, I hope you are busy. I can't wait to hear what y'all come to it. <laughs> so it's, it's uh, it, but it helps me appreciate the quality of the management of this city. It helps me understand mm -hmm. the pieces and how they all work together and how we're in lockstep. And, um, you know, I, I translate that knowledge to running the company. It's a whole different ball game. It's a different business, but there are many times when I'm looking at how our cities run and sometimes I learn things that I can apply at, at our company and vice versa. Hopefully, hopefully my board sees that, that I take the business lessons and apply them on the board. So, um, that's the story and lucky to have a great place to be. Well, now yeah. hopefully all of our listeners, when they're driving down the tollway, on the east side of the tollway, they'll see your building with the Carrington name up top. And you've literally um, been able to watch Frisco grow from your office window. I mean, coming here at 2000, um, the mall had just opened. You know, people talk about Frisco like pre-mall and post-mall. You know, it's like that's when everything kind of started. So definitely quite visionary there. And 
The thing I love about the Carrington story is it's a lot like Frisco, where the longtime leadership has been in place. You, know, you just don't have a lot of turnover. People have grown up through the organization. You, know, you talk about you know George Purefoy being the city manager for 34 years and your time at Carrington and everyone else in your leadership team. That I mean, that makes a big deal and a difference. You know, when you can grow together and, and challenge each other and. You certainly have um, set an example, um, you know, as far as showing your employees and everyone that it is important to give back. I know that's important to you. One of my favorite stories is, you know, Angelia Pelham before she was council member, Angelia Pelham. Um, she was the pastor's wife and she was trying to get her MLK oration scholarship night kind of taken to the next level. They had done it on a small scale and given you know, a few hundred dollars away in scholarships. I think the year before it was a thousand dollars in scholarships. And so we were trying to help her grow that event. And she came and spoke at something that uh, I introduced her at an event that I was speaking at. And you immediately raised your hand in the crowd and said, you know, Carrington's in for a table. Um, and it kind of took off from there. Everyone kind of looked around and said, okay, well, I'm in too. And so I think they went from giving away a thousand the year before to the next year. I think it was over 10,000. And then y'all have been a big part of it ever since. But speaking of untold stories, a story I didn't know about you until I happened to run into you at one of our citizens' 100th year celebration, I believe, was that you've started your own nonprofit. And I was like, how have I never heard this story, Barbara? You know, when I'm standing there next to you and you told me all about it, but I know it's a passion of yours. I know other people would love to hear about it. Thank you. And uh, yes, that I was I, I was surprised that you didn't know because I'm so quiet and shy about telling you about everything else. <laughs> but I definitely will talk about the season of life now when I say I'm a, I am a World War, War II generation daughter. And I uh, founded and with the help of others now, many of who work at Carrington, have started a nonprofit called Families of World War II Veterans. When I have, on my fourth trip back from Normandy, France, the D-Day beaches, uh, one time I took my father and other times I just traveled throughout, throughout my life, I was flying back and thinking how, if I could transport everyone to this American um, cemetery and to this very moving spot on earth, which I'm, I feel connected to that town for some reason, uh, you look out at the 9,000 tombstones and you think, what, what an amazing, sad, but important part of history is this soil, is this place. And it is quite remarkable and I encourage everyone to go. But on this fourth trip back, I thought, can't tr transport everyone there, but if, if future generations could learn about that generation, my father, my uncles, just all of the, the women in the war, um, the Tuskegee Airmen, the fighting over oil, sound familiar? I mean, things, these themes keep happening they're current some are not some are it's remarkable and and that was such a vast effort with some with worldwide that if anyone loves to study history it's it's a very important part and i think because of the connection with my father who was in the navy and my uncle's one who uh is is in the florence italy cemetery he was, he was flying he was a navigator and um they were shot down he's he's there just learn growing up with that in my head thinking, well, what was that? Why did that happen? We need to know and we need to talk about this. And I, I personally felt compelled to do something because the reunions were stopping. Most of the things, most of the efforts around World War II were the reunions of the soldiers and the, the, the people that served. Well, that's 
obviously, you know, losing a thousand a day, I thought that that's great, but that's not going to continue. What will be different? So when I thought about marrying the two things that are needed, learning, learning that history, trying to educate, but also keeping the legacies, honoring the legacies, education is so expensive. Let's do scholarships. So we specifically very narrowly define the, the a nonprofit is scholarships uh, for financially needy recipients. We have a vast and ex exhaustive vetting process of we collect the W-2s for the family. We collect their, their transcripts from school. We have a lot of outreach. So we've set that up. N lineage does not, does not matter. They can apply whether they had in, someone serve in the family or not. Many people get confused, but lineage is not uh, mandatory. And it's national. And all that's asked is write a essay uh, about World War II. It could be current. It could be women in war. It could be anything. And I thought when this first started that we would have trouble getting, it's not exactly a, a modern issue, <laughs> you know, write about your Apple phone. <laughs> so it's just, I was worried that it wouldn't be as popular and we were flooded with, with lots of applications. And I was astounded at the quality of the essays and how they did take it to a more modern theme and just that the thought they put in and really encouraged. And of course, their, their transcripts, their grades and, and the, the financial need has been proven. But now we here we are after a decade and we've given out thousands and thousands of dollars. And I think the only problem is that we all have full time jobs. So almost every penny rolls back to the charity. So I keep saying someday I'm going to have more time. But uh, we've we were Frisco based with that. It's it's literally the first floor of one of our buildings here. And it's it's just been growing. And we have sponsors such as MetLife and um, United Healthcare and Aetna. And, and we're, we're really lucky for that. So that keeps growing. And I think now we're, we're tracking the students and we're giving them money. And we say that we will raise the amount if you stay with us through the four years. So we want to make sure they're succeeding their first year. And so then we keep going throughout their college life. So they can do MBA with us, all sorts of things. So it's been, and we get, we get letters from one letter, if I may say, is quite interesting. We got a letter from the Netherlands. Oh. I think a lot of the people that are looking at us worldwide think we're a research, more of a history historian based. And of course we're not, but this particular letter was very moving. There, there's a town in Holland, and I forgive me, I don't know the exact name of it off the top of my head, but they, they have in the center of their small town an, a statue to a U.S. airman who had crashed during the war into their town. He had no identifiers, nothing on him, and they just took and, and they buried him, and they made a memorial and a statue, and ever since that day, they've been trying to find his family, and they have, I have they may have somehow gotten some sort of a name and um, I'll have to go back and look at the letter, but they asked, they told us the story and they said, we're searching for these, this man's family and we want to find the history and the story. And it was just amazing. So we get those types of, and every, you imagine the townspeople, every time they walk by, this is in the center of their town and they think of this air, the U S airman who, who uh, crashed during the war there. So just, it's a, it's very interesting. And um, so it's, it's, been going strong and it's families of World War II veterans. So thank you for letting me talk about it. Yeah, and uh, obviously a lot of parents and students are starting to plan for college right now. So how does someone apply or learn more? Online, online. 
okay. it's just simple and we have a, a great site set up. We go through rounds of money giving and we just did uh, raise money. So uh, just we do we we're constantly doing it all year long, uh, but specifically, you know, the timing of the school falls heavy and then again the next semester. So but we can we can award anytime we'd like. And um, we have a historian that's been uh, helping us. He's, he's a Penn State uh, history professor and he specializes in World War Two. And there's some interesting um, aspects to our website. I'd encourage everyone to check it out. He speaks about the importance of continuing to learn about this. And it's a very popular course at Penn State. And we've had him uh, as one of our speakers. So we're growing. Well, we will include a link when we post this so people can learn more and figure out how they can um, apply. So that's that's pretty amazing. So, uh, you know, I just love you. I think you're an amazing person. And, um, you know, what I, I think a lot of people don't realize, like if they just see Barbara on the surface, uh, they see, you know, this well put together CEO boss lady. She lives this picture perfect life. It's someone who looks like she's never had a bad day in her entire life and just wakes up chipper and happy and, and um, you know, skips throughout the day. Um, but, uh, you know, that's not the case. We all deal with things, right? You're in this business and I know mental health is becoming an increase um, concern and, you know, really as city leaders, you know, going through COVID, um, we're putting a lot of attention to it. I know the school district is as well. Um, and it's on a lot of parents' minds. And, um, you know, we just had um, a good friend um, who's um, just lost her son via suicide. Um, and so that was heartbreaking for us to, to go through. Um, and you see a lot of people afraid to talk about it. And you see a leader like a Dak Prescott, you know, who lost a brother. Um, and just kind of what a voice he's becoming to saying, no, it's, it is manly to talk about it. Or, you know, if you're having problems, you need to talk about it. And, um, of course me being your friend, know that, you know, suicide touched your life. Um, you know, a little over 10 years ago when your then husband, you know, died by suicide. Um, you know, and I know there's a lot of people that are listening to this that, you know, maybe going through difficult times, don't know how to get help and don't realize that, Hey, there is a life on the other side. So maybe you can share some words of wisdom there. Yeah, it's, um, I think if you've suffered in your life for any reason, uh, it changes you, you move through it, you'd never get over it, but you, you are a different person. And I am profoundly different from, from what happened in 2011. Uh, you, it, you don't expect, it just happens. And I think that there are several things I've learned from it, not just to be a more empathetic, compassionate person around this entire subject, but I am proud of leaders that can come forward and say, this happened in my family because it's a tough thing to talk about. And I have learned how to speak about it differently, even saying the words died by suicide instead of other ways to speak about it are appropriate and correct. And uh, it's just a, a very, very, complicated issue. So I learned not only the, the research that I did helped me understand some of, you're always looking at why, and I don't know, everyone's different. And in my case, I, I didn't come to any big conclusion, but I did come to the conclusion that if we can educate and talk about it and have resources available, we can chip away. So our company, the section, the 
part of our company that's dial care that does the mental wellness. Obviously, I had a particular mission-driven uh, desire to get that going, and we specialize in under 18. And I think that you, when I look back at my experience, which was here in this town in Frisco, and I feel as though I'm a strong person, but there are times in your life when you are faced with something and, and you question in that moment, I can I get through this? It, it's just, everything just changes. And I will tell you from the moment I called 911 till through the, the weeks after, the follow-up from the city of Frisco, the care, the concern, the professionals that called me, how they handled the situation from the moment it happened on was, was very positive for me. And that's one area that you never expect to test or even think about in a city. I did, and I went through it, and I, I shared that with others, uh, Mayor Maso at the time, and said, I, I never expected to have to have this conversation with you, but I I really felt comfort from those people from the moment it, that it happened to go forward. The other part of it that I've learned was I was lucky. I had resources. I had friends. I had family. I have a, My brother's a doctor. Uh, just lucky to have a network of support. And I started seeing a, a counselor, a therapist who's in Frisco, Dr. Susan Fletcher, who's amazing. What if I didn't have that? What about people who don't have that? It could, it could just be unimaginable. So I think that one of my main, and I, I looked online and I, I literally had to go everywhere to look at everything. I used all of the above is what I called it. I talked to people who had gone through my similar situation. I did that. I looked online myself. I ordered books. I researched things. I saw a professional counselor and I talked to people. I did stop working for a while. It's the only time in my life where I took a break. But if, if you don't have that support, it's, it's to me, that was the, one of the main things I thought I could do. I can't change a lot of things, but I can help with the resource part of it. So with dial care, you can, it's a virtual platform, just like telemedicine, we call doctor. In this case, you're calling licensed therapists, licensed mental wellness um, professionals, and they, you can make an appointment 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. and talk to them. And we've, we've learned so much from this, especially from COVID, that having that virtual platform, especially for under 18, is really important because oftentimes you can't, the counselors are overwhelmed themselves and they've embraced us saying, we need this help. So that was one way that I felt like I could, other than donate, you know, I have a favorite uh, national, the American Association for Suicide Prevention. They do the out of the darkness, I believe, walks and things. They're terrific. I, I give to them personally, but putting my work hat on, uh, we've, we've been able to say, okay, we can actually help with this. And we have been getting a terrific response from the school districts. We have Grand Prairie, we have Amarillo schools. We have a lot of schools that are saying, where can we sign up for this? And obviously we help the over 18 too. We work with employers, but I, my background and what I've experienced, uh, taught me that the resources and having, because things are different for everyone. What worked for me, not work, I don't mean it and just fixed, but what was helpful to me may be different to someone else. So mm -hmm. I think that the having those resources and education and having it be there is, is really important. So uh, it, if anyone 
wants to talk, <laughs> I'm, I'm always open and it, I, I found it was helpful, but I don't, um, this is really the first time I've talked about it um, publicly. Mm -hmm. So I think it's after COVID and all the things that we've gone through, and especially the launch of Dial Care, I, I, I felt like if I can add one thing to someone that that's helpful, then then that's great because I am, um, you know, it's it's a very difficult, complicated, and and uh, I hope that we in America, if I can say this, can find the funds and can find, you know, if, if I were to check a box on where my tax money went, we, we don't get to do that. <laughs> but if I could, my my box that I checked would certainly go to resources for mental wellness in America. So I didn't mean to get political. <laughs> but Barbara, you're, you truly are such a treasure. And um, I mean, you know this, but such a a mentor and just a staple and a gym to not only Frisco to me personally. I mean, I just love um, you've had the weight of the world on your shoulders at times and you handle it with such grace and you don't let barriers get in your way. Thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for, um, you know, being honest. There's there's going to be one or a million people that see or hear this today and you're going to make a huge difference in their lives. I can't tell you enough what that means to Jeff and I that you would share, you know, that part of your journey. Um, the, the point of this podcast is to really just let people share their heart. And, you know, one of the things that I love about you, there are so many things that set your soul on fire. Um, I love the female empowerment, the female leadership. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of things that um, you always bring things back to the power of a team whether that's your personal, your professional. We've talked a lot about um, you think it's important to be curious in life. Let's talk about some of the things that set your soul on fire, some of your hobbies and your interests. I think it's so interesting. You play the guitar. Let's start there. Not extremely well, but <laughs> yes, it's. I, I think uh, I started when I was 12 and I, it was one of those things where I had to choose between competitive swimming and guitar and my parents said, well, you can't do both, whether it was money or time. And, and I chose swimming, which uh, was a great track because it led me into, uh, when I moved to Dallas, I grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I moved in to Dallas in 1982. And I started uh, going, attending master swim classes. And uh, that whole group was doing triathlons. And since I can't do anything halfway, I said, what's that? And lo and behold, I did multiple triathlons. Uh, and I ended up doing the Ironman, the long, full 112 bike, two and a half mile swim, 2.4 mile swim and a full marathon. I did that in 1990. So I got caught up in that group and it was, it just was a beautiful group and, and really I think helped stabilize me with my career and discipline and sort of saying, you can do anything you set your mind to. So guitar was set, put aside for a while to, to pursue the swimming and the athletic part. And I picked it back up uh, in 2005 and did some and, then, you know, things happened and set me back with doing that for a while. And then during COVID, I picked it back up again. And I always say my collection doesn't match my ability because uh, I, I, I love Gibson guitars. And anyone who plays knows they're just amazing. There's a hummingbird behind me, acoustic hummingbird. And so I love music and it's just, it's more of a hobby, but I do love it. And I think it keeps you sharp. And, and it's, I have a local Jordan Wilson, great Frisco guitar instructor and uh, he's patient with me and my schedule. And um, so it's, that's great. So, you know, you have to have some little, mix it up a little bit, travel, guitar, concerts. You know. 
we were just talking about surviving a 5k in like under 30 minutes and we're speaking to you know a multiple like dream, actually. <laughs> that, it's been a while i don't know i i don't know if you can still claim it 1990 has been a long time but once you do an iron man i think you can say you've done it the rest of your life you get a little spark <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we need to hook her up with Melody of Hope. We were just talking about that. We need to get Barbara on the stage. I know. I just feel like it's the perfect, it was the perfect intro to our guest. And, you know, Barbara, I do think that we would be remiss before we let you go today to, um, you know, Jeff Grill Talk time. Sorry for, sorry about this. But, you know, there are going to be a lot of women that watch this and that listen to this. And they're going to say, how in the world does she do it all? I mean, again, just your resume, your heart, um, the time that you give back to this community, you, you never let barriers stand in your way. You've told me in the past about people telling you, I've got the man for the job. And you're like, I'll show you the man for the job. Right. What, what would you say to women listening today that maybe just don't feel like um, they've got it all together, or that they can accomplish everything? I think it's it's taking advantage of opportunities and and having the positive. If you can be positive and approach something as uh, what's the solution? If you present a problem, present the solution at the same time. It may not be perfect. It may not be the right one, but but present it. People will listen. They'll start to take notice. That's a results-oriented, driven person that's at least thinking about what what the end looks like. And uh, and people will respond to that no matter who you are, no matter what you are. And I, I never saw that barrier. I'm lucky to work for a, a, a chairman that just... Uh, it's, it's just completely open to who's the best person for the job. But I would say to, to other women, gain strength from each other. Uh, we, we get along beautifully. Our, our, you know, to have a C-level that's uh, CIO female, CFO female, CEO female, and many, many of the top um, ex other executives are women. We somehow, uh, I, the, uh, sometimes I have to say to them that they're thinking of others first. And sometimes I actually have to say, no, what do you want? And it, and it's, it's really from respect and, and understanding that they don't have to worry about uh, territory or the things will happen. So I, I think it's just more positive attitude, thinking about solutions. Mm -hmm. And uh, my husband has a great saying, assume positive intent. And I, he's reminds me, I need to do that more, but I think that's, that's true of anyone. And if you feel that someone has, even if something's bumpy or something's wrong or they make a mistake, that they did, there was not ill will, the outcome's going to be good because you're both coming from, from an, a, a feeling of, I know you didn't mean to do this. And for the most part, he's right. It just, it starts, it sets the plate really well. So I'll give him credit. I didn't, uh, <laughs> I didn't say it myself, but it's right. It's a hard thing to do. Often when something goes wrong, it's easier to blame. It's easier to rattle off the challenges and it's hard to reset and say, that's great. But what do you think? How, how should we get out of it? And this, to me, it's not even a, a man, woman thing or gender. It's just people will gravitate toward that leadership. That's encouraging, empathetic, inclusive, uh, teamwork and exciting. You want to be on a team where it's fun to win you know, and make it fun. 
So good. This is Barbara's TED Talk. This is going to be a podcast that I go back and take notes on, that I go back and watch time and time again. I just don't think we could have uh, really ended our, our day with a better guest. And Barbara, we know you're busy. We know that uh, you give so much of your time, talent, and treasure to this city. And thank you for sharing a piece of that with us today. Um, Jeff, anything else before we let Barbara get, get back to her busy schedule this afternoon? No, we just appreciate you and your leadership here in this community. And I don't know, we, we could chat all day. I mean, I know there's uh, a lot of stories you can tell, but thank you for sharing a part of it here with uh, our listeners here on Untold. Thank you. I love working with both of you and love what you're doing. And I can't wait for the next uh, podcast. And I just am honored that I was a part of this one. So thank you. All right. We'll talk to you soon, Barbara. Bye. Bye. You know, we continue to up our game. I don't know how how are we gonna do any better than this. I feel like every week we just get a, a more profound guest, a better guest, and man, to be able to share some of those stories, it's it's an emotional roller coaster and ride for us. But I think it's so beautiful that our guests feel comfortable on this podcast and on this platform to share things like that. We just. Man, we really, really got the icing on the cake with Barbara. She's the best. Yeah, I didn't realize that was the first time she had shared it publicly. And so I, that's what this podcast is going to be. Who was the old ESPN um, person? He was in Jerry, Jerry Maguire. We said, you're not going to make me cry. Where you used to always put the athletes on there, and then they would always end up crying because they start telling their show, you know, story and peeling back the onion. That's, that's our goal is we need to – we need to make somebody cry. We got close there on that one, I think. Yeah, well, I was about to cry. I'm glad I had waterproof mascara today. But, you know, before we go, I know uh, we're getting close to time. Any any gems in the community you want to highlight this week? Um, well, I know this was all about Barbara, but I did want to give a shout out to her husband, Ken, who is also an incredible leader um, in the community, in the business community in his own right. But today was Barbara's day to shine. So sorry, Ken, um, about that. Um, clearly, we need to update our, up our game on our goals this year when we're talking about 5Ks and she's talking about Ironman. She pretty much dunked on us with that. So who would have known that's, that was coming? Um, but yeah, speaking of her World War II initiative and scholarships, you know, just kind of mindful of all the great work that's happening here in our veteran community. Um, you know, Council Member John Keating is a veteran, kind of runs the Mayor's <clears throat> Veteran Advisory Committee and with their work, just so much has happened. You know, Chuck Wright, you know, with his work to get the Gold Star Monument, you know, out in Frisco Commons. And, you know, the, the list just goes on and on on the great works um, work happening here. But one person I want to give a shout out is someone who's usually behind the scenes, and his name is Eddie Camacho. And Eddie is a longtime city employee, been here for 20 plus years, working in our parks department, um, and just a great guy. Everyone loves him. And he actually took the lead in helping um, do all the work at Frisco Commons, which was the Gold Star Monument. It was putting a new roof out there and was an integral part of that process. So much so that myself and city council gave him our annual award. It's called the Mayor's Award um, for the Employee of the Year. And so just a lot of work. Um, and his family was just so excited and happy for him. So shout out to Eddie. Um, Chuck, John, everyone, Rob Altman, all the people that, um, Sheena Lawless, um, the list goes on and on, um, of all the great work happening here to support our veterans. 
Yeah, we're better because all of them. And congrats to Eddie again. That's that's a great shout out. You know, quickly before we go, I just wanted to so much of what we talked about today was intertwining and, and a name that just kept coming to mind for me was Ernest Morgan. So many of us know Pastor Ernest. That's that's my brother, I'll tell you. But, um, you know, we talked about Melody of Hope. He serves on that board um, alongside myself and many others. He will have representation at Texas Big Star this year. I just think of him so frequently, you know, he's a cheerleader. Ernest is somebody who will text me on a daily basis just to say, I'm rooting for you. Captivate your day. You know, he's just um, above and beyond being a motivational speaker and a pastor. He's just a great person. Um, he's kind of been beside our family through thick and thin. And it's been so exciting to see his success and um, just to see, you know, kind of his journey from car salesman. We all kind of knew him as the guy standing up at the chamber, giving his elevator pitch to um, seeing him start his church alongside his beautiful wife and family and just how fantastic that's been. And then really the way to everybody's heart, um, his barbecue. I mean, yeah. Ernest, it's been fantastic to see the growth. You know, Jeff, I, I really want to try to get Ernest on a podcast soon to tell his story. Um, he just fantastic journey that a lot of people may not know about. I'm going to reach out to Ernest and see if we can't get him on the next podcast. Uh, that would be a, that would be a great untold story. And I know Ernest well, but I'm sure there's a lot of things that I would learn about, about his journey and his barbecue is is the best it's great we've actually hired him to do some parties here at our house a football watching party um and you're right he always sends me texts that are uplifting and it's always at the exact time that i needed it somehow he i don't know if he's got to log into my phone or something but somehow he knows i needed to be uplifted that day and he, he reaches out at the right time with the right message so yeah we need to we need to get him on the show for sure Ernest is our tangible God wink. I'll tell you that he's, he's what we all need at all the right times. I will reach out to Ernest and who knows, maybe the next time we're here together, we'll be welcoming Ernest to the untold table. That would be great. All right, Ashley, I'll see you next week. Have a great right. week. Good. Another great week. Thanks, Jeff. We'll see you soon. Bye.